Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ, and welcome to another episode of Interpreting the Word of God with Dr. DeLeon. Today we're going to be discussing a epistle that was written by the Apostle Paul around 60 to 62 AD. Uh, it's written to the Gentile church in Ephesus. And while Paul is incarcerated uh, and writing this letter, uh, there are some religious philosophies that uh, apparently began to emerge and impact uh, the Asia Minor area. And one of those that uh, is said to have been impacting the uh, area was something called Gnosticism. And uh, Gnosticism basically is said to have perverted or to have twisted the gospel uh, as it is spread at that mo- at that time. And uh, some of their beliefs and thoughts and actually they begin to deny the uh, resurrection of Christ and they begin to uh, deny other things. And so it becomes a very dangerous uh, situation there for Christianity. And so uh, what we're going to be looking at today is Ephesians chapter 1. Specifically, we'll focus a little bit more on verses 1 through 14. But the title of today's message is Redemption Through the Blood of the Lamb, Part 1. And the theme of the message uh, that we'll go over today and the next time around is in regards to the ransom that is paid for our liberty uh, it's paid in full, and we'll get into that as we get into the message, as we get into the scripture. Uh, but I do want to say, as this letter is written to the Ephesians, uh, or to those in Ephesus by the Apostle Paul, uh, the Bible does tell us that Paul remained in Ephesus for a period of about three years, and that the city uh, of Ephesus included both Jews and Gentiles. And so Paul writes this letter while he's in prison. Uh, the belief is, by several theologians, is that he's in prison at Rome at the time. And so, therefore, it is one of the letters that is referred to uh, sometimes as an, a prison epistle. And so, during the time of the letter, as I said, the religious philosophies that began to uh, emerge uh, in the Asia Minor area as those uh, of the Gnostics. And while we refer to Gnosticism, uh, it is important, again, to remember that it is a very dangerous philosophy to Christianity. And uh, in addition... Uh, not only is there uh, this situation that is occurring, but of course Paul is writing to those that he has spent some time with uh, developing and equipping and ministering to uh, those in that church. And so the letter to Ephesians begins with Paul conveying that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And so this is important in itself because he's conveying that one, he is an apostle, which uh, at that time it means the sent ones. And uh, in addition to that, he is conveying that he is not sending himself, but rather that it is by the will of God that he has been sent. And so the word apostle, as I said, not only does it mean the sent ones, but um, as he goes on to convey in the letter, uh, this letter is being written to the saints or also called the holy ones at Ephesus and also to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And so we want to remember that the word of God uh, it has an impact and it's written to specific people at a specific time in a specific area. But that does not mean that the Word of God does not still impact us in our society, wherever it is that we find ourselves, however old we are, uh, whatever time period we're living in, wherever it is on the globe that we're living in, the Word of God is still a living Word and it does still continue to have an impact on us in many different ways. And so um, in this case, uh, as Paul is writing this, or rather the assumption would be that Paul knew that this letter would be read not only by the church at Ephesus, but other Christians as well. And so Paul goes on to share that 
we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ and that we should be without blame before him. And that is that, in other words, we uh, have been justified or made righteous. And uh, as this occurs, uh, this occurs through the blood of Christ or through the grace of God. And so uh, if this was a, a, if this were to be a court of law, legally we would have been declared not guilty. And so Paul does share that we have been adopted according to his, God's, good pleasure by his grace. Uh, and in verse 7, specifically, Paul brings the point into focus when he conveys that we have been redeemed through his blood, that we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us. Now notice that Paul, being an apostle in Christ, uh, to the saints that are faithful in Christ, uh, to those that are blessed, uh, they are blessed in Christ. And so lo the Lord gathers together all things in one in Christ. And this, this uh, part of the book or the epistle brings it together and shows that we have been brought together under Christ. And so he has brought us in to the unity uh, through his grace and his blood. Now the scripture itself um, reads as follows. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7 goes on to say, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in, all, in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to that counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also... Having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so I've read the New King James Version, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, uh, in this, these passages that I just uh, shared with you. And I shared them with you, uh, and I'm sure you could hear my emphatic uh, reference to him or his or he, or Christ, or the Lord Jesus, or God, because uh, if you go back and you look, uh, you can find uh, several references to the uh, either Christ, to God, or to the pronouns that refer back to him, or to his, or to he, uh, as it is said in the scripture. And so the importance of this is that we have redemption through the blood of Christ and this redemption has been brought, has been bought and brought. It's bought through Christ and the blood that he shed and brought to us uh, through Christ by his grace, through faith and by the Holy Spirit as he ministers unto us. 
And so one of the things that is important as we're thinking, as we're referencing, as we're reflecting upon what it really truly means to be uh, redeemed, it is important for us to remember that when you look at the translation of the word redeemed, uh, or when you look at the, the translation of the word uh, as it's found in the original, uh, the word is actually uh, something called apolutrosis, right? That's the phonetic spelling of it, uh, apolutrosis, the, transl- the transliteration of it, if you will. And the definition, the definition of this is a release affected by payment of ransom. So in other words, uh, we were uh, not free, right? We were, uh, shall we say, tethered or we were uh, being brought down by our sin and the uh, things that occur to us as sinners. And as you look at the fact that Christ shed his blood for us on that cross, what it is saying basically to us in this letter is that we were purchased back, we were bought back. In other words, a ransom was paid for us so that we could be liberated from that sin and those things that sin causes in our lives. And so it is important when we think about this redemption, uh, it should bring to mind images such as Hebrews 9.15, which conveys that he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, might receive the promise of eternal inheritance, or Titus two fourteen, uh, which uh, conveys to us uh, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people, or even Colossians one fourteen, which tells us that he is the one in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin, and of course. Who can forget Revelation seven thirteen through 15, John the Revelator describing an event where he's addressed by one of the elders with a question, uh, these in white robes, he's asked, who are they and where have they come from? And so the, the answer that is given in verse 14, sir, I answered, you know. So he replied, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb for this reason, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And so uh, what we're finding in all of these scriptures in Titus, in Colossians, in Revelation, uh, over and over again, there's that reference back to Jesus, to the blood of Christ, to the fact that we're redeemed, that we're forgiven, that we're justified, that we're brought out of these situations that sin would bring us into because we have been liberated, because we've been redeemed by Christ himself. And Revelation 12, uh, verses 10 through 12, again, we hear John again describing an event. He elaborates as follows, beginning in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. He who accuses them day and night before our God, they have conquered him, and notice what it says here, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so as to shy away from death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. This is a beautiful passage because, again, we see an image after image after image that comes to mind regarding 
the redemption we have in Christ. Uh, the last thing I want to share with you is something that uh, when we return to, to verse 7 uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul describes what it means when it is said that one has been redeemed through his blood, that we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us. In other words, we know that the grace is God's and it is an unmerited favor upon man. That is God in his compassion, in his mercy, in his love. He shed his grace on us and were it not for him, uh, then we would be guilty and we would re receive the death and we would receive all that comes with the sin, uh, which would mean going to hell, which mean being eternally, uh, completely separated, separated from God. And those things don't happen because we're justified through the blood of Christ. And so the image that I was going to share with you uh, is something that is very interesting out of Isaiah chapter 1. And when you go back and you look, as you begin to read chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, we hear uh, these verses, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings before my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Come now, he says. This is God speaking through the prophet to his people at that, at that time. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Isaiah 1, 16-20, New King James Version. And so as we go back and as you, if you read through the book of Isaiah, you will actually find that over and over again, the Lord is hes dealing with His people. He's ministering to them. He's talking to them. He's explaining uh, how they are rebellious and how they're sinning. And he, he keeps on reasoning with them. Come back. I'll wash you. I'll cleanse you. I'll forgive you. And so what happens is, as you read through Isaiah, you'll see nation after nation that uh, is built up and becomes strong and punishes uh, the people of God. And then... Uh, the Lord liberates them again, and you'll see this coming uh, into a, a cycle, if you will, because they continue to rebel. Point being, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we're going back and looking at Ephesians, and we're talking about, again, the title was Redemption Through the Blood of the Lamb. The ransom of our liberty has been paid in full, and church, we need to be thankful, we need to be appreciative, and we need to praise and glorify God for all he is doing in our lives. God bless you is my prayer, and I thank you again for joining us for another episode of Interpreting the Word of God with Dr. DeLeon.